we are so fortunate. We are so fortunate to be here, to hear the message that we all get to hear, to know it is finished. When Jesus gave up, he said, it is finished. And then he had the power to give up his life for us. Nobody took it. He gave it up for us. And then we have John 1.17 that says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus is ours. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then Ephesians in 2 and 8, it says, by grace, by grace through faith, we are saved. We have heard this morning, oh my gosh, we've heard so much. I'm going to talk to you today about how much we can believe. I'm calling my ministry today, Faith Refreshed in Love and Righteousness. You know, we hear that refresh, just refresh that little button. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to go over some scriptures about faith and seeing faith through grace. And as I was considering, I was thinking about all the scriptures that I had today. I came up with this. Faith is strengthened when we know how much we are loved. Faith is strengthened when we know we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is where grace comes in. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant he paid the price for all of our sins, past, present, and future. That is his love for us. It's not based on all, any of our obedience because Jesus fulfilled all the law in compliance to be our perfect sacrifice. It is forever done. Does that mean we are rebellious or we're opposite the good, opposite the right? No, we are told to pray for our leaders to operate and lead in righteous ways so that we can have peace in our life. This is my main scripture today, Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance. And what was faith again? Do we remember what faith meant? It meant persuasion, right? To be fully persuaded. Faith is the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for and not yet seen. And then I did it for us in the Passion, Hebrews 11, and I did verses 1 through 3. Again, remember, refreshed. So I'm not doing too many things in King James, because that's how I learned it. Not too many things in the Amplified. I'm doing a lot today in New International and the Passion. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. We are made in his image. We are his children. We do as he does. We speak those things that are not as though they were. In Romans 10, 8 and 9, it says the word is near us. It's in our mouth. It's in our heart. The message concerning faith that we proclaim. 
If we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Have you heard this twice? We will be saved. Our faith in Jesus is what saves us. Our belief being fully persuaded, it's all Jesus. And then in Romans 4, verses 16 and 17, the promise comes by faith, by being fully persuaded, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. You've heard me say this one before, right? <laughs> Not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who what? He gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Abraham had no natural hope of bringing forth a child, but God, but God. And we also give life to the dead and we call things into being, things that are not maybe for us. So being in Hebrews 11, you guys all know that's the faith chapter. I mean, you can read and read all those things. Well, it was to tell us that, you know, God wants to work faith in us, that he's got a story. We've all got a story of when we believe in Jesus, we have a story of faith too. But I didn't want to leave Hebrews 11 until we went to six, because that's been one that's kind of been important in my life. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what does that mean? It means, with faith, we please God. With faith, we please God. Faith is a gift. It's not something we work up. He says, even if you have even the size of the mustard seed that he gave us, it's not of our own works. And then it says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Our rewards banquet is coming. There's no punishment for any of us anymore. Jesus took it. Believe, have faith in Jesus, be fully persuaded. He is for us. Are you having troubles feeling faith? <laughs> If you find yourself having a day with Mr. Feelings and him telling you that you have no faith, just remind yourself of another scripture in Hebrews 11. Remind yourself of Sarah in verse 11. It says, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, wasn't able to bear children. What? Because, what? She considered, she considered him who was faithful, who had made the promise. God is faithful. And that brought me to another scripture that I've used forever, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13 in the NIV. It says, here is a trustworthy saying, if we are faithless, he is faithful. Oh, how I love that. Because if you go by feelings, <laughs> you can feel very faithless. But God is always faithful. He's faithful to us. We resist the devil, he flees. And then it's also, too, what I've learned, you know, that grace teaches us to say no. So when we're feeling that faithless, we say, no, that's not me anymore. That's the old man. He died. I am not faithless. I am faithful just like my Jesus. I have enough faith for today. If it's only as much as a mustard seed, I have it. My God is good. 
right? Our God is good. We are not faithless. We are faithful. And so that made me think about another scripture that I have leaned on over the years. Luke 22 verses 31 and 32. And this was Jesus, and he was talking to Simon, and he says, Simon, Simon, don't you love that when God says, Lori, Lori? Don't you love that when God says, Treva, Treva? I love that when God says that to me, Judy, Judy, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. It won't fail because we have the faith of Jesus and it cannot fail. Yes, we may fail at whatever, but our faith will not fail. And then it says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Well, I use that because I was always doing something wrong. I was always messing up. I was always hearing the devil this or the devil that or damned. I felt damned if I do, damned if I don't. But you know what? I had something right here. It's like, hey, if anybody's asking me questions, I'm going to tell you, don't go here. Don't fall into that trap. Watch out. The bridge is out. That was like my project. (laughs) It was my project, you know. Hey, if I messed up, I'm going to tell the world. You know, so devil, you messed up. (laughs) Anyway, going on. I couldn't leave Hebrews without doing Hebrews 12, verse 2. That faith is within us. And again, refresh. So I'm doing this according to the passion today. We look away from the natural realm and away from self and sin. We focus our attention and our expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that we would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. He birthed faith within each one of us. We have faith. Okay, so then I'm thinking about things that it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to put this in here. A few of you have heard this. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 8. We exercise our faith daily. But it's not the mixture. It's not us having to exercise in our own strength. That's God's grace. And it says, His divine power, not my power, not my strength, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then it goes on, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add, not subtract, not divide, to add to our faith. We're going to add to our faith goodness. And then to goodness, we're going to add knowledge. And to knowledge, we're going to add self-control. Some versions say exercise, but this says add. And when I went and looked that up, it was the word epichoreography, and it meant to furnish. I might have not said that right, but that's how I say it, choreography. (laughs) To furnish, that is fully supply. What does grace mean? 
Grace means fully supplied. God is doing it. Yes, we're adding these things, but the Holy Spirit is our choreographer. And it says, to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control, add perseverance. And to perseverance, add godliness. And to godliness, add mutual affection. And to mutual affection, add love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word, meaning furnish and to fully supply, it was the root, the dance leader, the choreographer, so the Holy Spirit. I mean, all these things are things for us, but there are things about the day. This person needs a word of encouragement. This person just needs an ear to listen to or a smile. Sometimes we get with people and we just want to, <laughs> we want to tell them everything, but I get to smile, <laughs> but God's at work. He's doing it. He's creating the adding. He's causing us to go here and help this person with change attire. God is doing it. He is adding it. The Holy Spirit. It's not us doing it in our own strength. Our yoke is light. We are being led by the Spirit. It is not burdensome to us at all. And so we are walking in the grace, in the full supply of God, by faith, by being fully persuaded that God is who he is, that he knows everything, and he will show us. Okay, and then this one, Ephesians 6, 23 and 24, it says, Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. When we know that we are loved, we can walk in faith in a greater depth. That's what I feel like. The more we know how he loves us, the more we can walk in faith, being fully assured he'll never, never leave us. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. And this I am doing in the Passion. And it says, Then I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods our innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. By constantly using our faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside us, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of our life. Then we will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, that great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is to us. Oh, his endless love is beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into us until we are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. I see a measuring cup. I have one of those great big ones, you know, those four cups. You know? <laughs> and, you know, you're supposed to stop when it gets to four cups. But it's like I saw, it was like I kept seeing God's love pouring into that. And that reminded me the last time, God's love is cascading, right? It's falling and falling and falling and falling, cascading. His love cascades to us. So then I really wanted to share with you 1 Corinthians 13 and the passion. If you have time, if you can see it, 
it is so wonderful to read the Passion, the First Corinthians. You know, the love chapter, right? Okay, but I just put in here the last one. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love, right? Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which we run. We're running the race, right? Even if we're walking, <laughs> we're still going forward. No matter what the devil might tell us, maybe it looks like something not good, but we are running the race going forward. When we know that we know we are loved by our Father, that Jesus came to walk in all our emotions, to carry all our sins in his body as our sacrifice, that love gives us faith. The ability to be fully persuaded that God is always good, that he is always for us, that he backs us up as we believe and speak his word. It is written, it is written, he came to give us his power, his strength, his ability to walk as his children here in our world. He gave us life abundant. So now we're going somewhere that I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17. This is where Jesus is baptized. Verse 13, and this is the NIV. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him and saying, Lord, I don't know if he said Lord, but Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this. What? To fulfill all righteousness. Wow, when we get baptized in the Lord, we're doing it just like he did it, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John said, okay. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased, right? And he says the same about you, Mariana. We are sons of God. We are his beloved children. I am well pleased with you. You don't have to do anything. Matthew 4. Then, what is the first thing on Jesus' list to do? <laughs> what did God say, let's do? He said, he led him by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I would have not thought this would be a, one of my first things on faith, but... The more I read it, it was like, oh, God, you're so good. Okay, so I had to look up wilderness. Okay, so if we're going here, Jesus, I'm looking up wilderness. What is the wilderness? It was the word, eremos, and it meant lonesome. Jesus went to the lonesome place for us to fulfill righteousness. Now, wilderness, so to the waste place, and then it gave four places. It said desert, desolate, solitary, and wilderness. Now, I love this, because my understanding of the wilderness is like trees and trees and bushes, and you're going through there, and you don't know what in the world might be coming, jumping out at you. That's my understanding. But the desert, 
you go to the desert, there's nothing there. So you can see all the little guys. Now it is true, you can see the lion coming at you. But either way, Jesus went. He went to that place of loneliness. And not only that, he went to the desolate place. He went to the solitary place. Have you guys ever been in a dark place like that? I have. Each one of us has. And that's the thing. Jesus went there straight away to the place of loneliness, to each one of our places of loneliness. He went there. He conquered that. He conquered us feeling alone, feeling hopeless. He conquered it. I love that Jesus went straight up against all the darkness, the mental gymnastics of evil and the darkness that tries to overwhelm us. And he defeated the enemy for each one of us. He totally defeated the devil for us. In verse 2, it goes on. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, just tell these stones to become bread. You know, the devil, he talks to you and me too, right? He talks. And Jesus answered, and we can too. (laughs) We can talk back. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Well, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down. You know, just because we're sons of God doesn't mean we go to the highest place in town and jump off. We still live within the world in the laws of gravity. Anyway, the devil said, you know, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, because it does say he can quote the word to us sometimes. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus again said to him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil doesn't give up real easy. (laughs) Some days, it seems except that we know we can say no to him, right? The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. It wasn't the kingdom of heaven, was it? He was showing him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I will give to you if you will just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. And we can do because it says it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to Jesus. Now Jesus triumphed over all. In all of Satan's questioning, the desires of the flesh, the bizarre, irrational things our minds can contrive, and to the extent of worshiping the darkness, worshiping the evil one, Jesus has triumphed over the devil for each one of us. What faith we can have in Jesus to love us and protect us. In fulfilling righteousness, we have power over the devil. Luke 10, 19 tells us, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, not 90%, all the power of the enemy. And what? Nothing shall by any means hurt us. Nothing shall by any means means hurt us. Believe this. This is another one with our power and authority. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. In 15, this is the passion version again. I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your tender love toward all his devoted ones. And then skipping down to verse 19. 
I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. And then this, God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ. He has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. We take the power, we take the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. So all that being said, let's go with Jesus and let's see if we can heal a little boy. And that would be in Matthew 17, verses 14 through 40. When they came to the crowd, and when I looked that word crowd, it said to a riot. And I thought, isn't that the way it always was? Because Jesus was there and he had his little crowd. And sure enough, what? The Pharisees were there. Hmm. A riot. What was going on here? It says, I think in the NIV, it said a man. But in another one, it said a certain man. But then I couldn't figure out who that certain man was. But I like that it said a certain man because you and I can be a certain man because we might have a need, right? <laughs> This certain man approached Jesus, knelt before him, and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Stop, stop. Y'all look at me. Right there. Y'all know this scripture. There is now no condemnation. Don't look up there. There is no condemnation to any of us. That's important. That's important as we go on. I hated what this next thing said because the devil used to always bring it to me. And Jesus says, you, that's why the devil would, you. Because if you prayed for anybody and they haven't been healed, then you're like, ah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's like, Lord, what happened? So it says, Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And I would hear condemnation, you know, and the devil would really work. But you know what? When you don't have condemnation, you look at this and you go, go wait a minute. Jesus says this. Who is this saying? He, who's he saying this to? Just because the man asked him doesn't mean that he was saying it to that man. It said, to a generation of people trying to do this in their own self-righteousness. Law-conscious people. People who think in order to get anything from God, we have to be perfect. He was speaking to anybody who puts their trust in themselves in order to obtain from God. Self-righteousness. A self-righteous generation. There is no condemnation, no damnation for us. Jesus said, bring the boy here. And Jesus, what did he do? He rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and the boy was healed at that very moment. 
the disciples got with Jesus in private and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? We were doing everything you told us. And he replied, and this is in the NIV, it says, because you have so little faith. But actually, when I look that up, I think in the King James, it says, because you are in unbelief. And so I went and looked that unbelief up. Unbelief meant refusal to believe, unwillingness to be persuaded. It was disbelief, which meant an inability to believe, or unbelief It was an absence of willingness to believe. I'm not that. Unbelief has no place in me. I'm not unwilling. No, I'm not saying that I don't always totally believe, but what Jesus was saying, because you have so little faith. In other words, as we spend time with Jesus, we get to know who he is because he's totally different. His righteousness was totally different. We don't have to do things in our own strength. We don't have to do this and this and this to be healed or for our children to be healed or anybody we bring to Jesus because you have so little faith. Truly, he said, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, faith in me, persuasion that Jesus' righteousness is everything, then we can say to the mountain, move from here to here and it will move, Jesus said. And then he said, nothing will be impossible for you. Haven't we sung a song like that this morning? Nothing is impossible for us. Hallelujah. As we trust fully in Jesus and his righteousness, his provision of healing in his body totally for us, nothing is impossible. Okay, Lord, no self-righteousness. Lord, get it out of me. I don't want it. You know, I don't want any kind of self-righteousness. I want to look to you. I want to believe in everything that you did for me. And then through this, You know, I found that faith and righteousness are linked together. And so I have a couple of scriptures that way. Romans 1, 17, and I put this in the Amplified. It says, for in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. Faith, righteousness, faith. They are working there together. As it is written, and forever remains written, the just, the upright shall live by faith. We're living by being persuaded that it's all Jesus and none of me. Romans 3, 22 through 25. The righteousness of God, which is by faith, righteousness and faith. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, because faith is a gift, it's not a work in us, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference For all have sinned, we've heard this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but it goes on, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in the blood of Jesus, right? Faith in the blood of Jesus, and it goes on to declare his righteousness. So we got faith and we got righteousness there together for the remission of the sins that are past. So then going on to Galatians 5 verses 5 and 6, and this is NIV, it says, for through the spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision 
nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So my last one, and this one sums it up the best, and I did it out of the message. <laughs> Philippians 3, 7 through 9. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special I am tearing up and I'm throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Jesus Christ. Yes! All the things that I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung <laughs> in the message. I have dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Jesus Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting my Jesus Christ, God's righteousness. I just receive it. I just take it. I take it as a gift. Your righteousness, Father God, is all I need. He did it. He provided for us. So then I have a couple of examples for us to work on. How about we heal a blind man today? Would you like to do that? Wouldn't that be exciting? A blind man. Luke 18, 35 through 43 in the NIV. So Jesus was approaching Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside. He was begging. In other words, begging, what? You're asking repeatedly. <laughs> a certain blind man, it said, and when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Now, he might not have had eyes, but he certainly did. Every brown person I know, they have ears. They have very good ears, and they are listening. And he's like, don't you think? He's like, Jesus, I've heard about him. And so the blind man crawled out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. What? What? This is not Jesus. They had no mercy. They're telling him, they're shushing him. He's a blind man. Wouldn't you want your blind friend to be able to see all the colors? I mean, here's, here's a man coming out at the front, leading the Pharisees. They're going ahead of time. That This is just me thinking about this, but I mean, Jesus didn't tell, the, tell them to do this. In fact, first of all, I think it's the Pharisees because they rebuked him because what? Their self-righteousness. You know, this is just Jesus back here. We got what it takes. You all need to believe us. <laughs> the blind man, he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. He stood still. He heard the man. He ordered the man to be brought before him. And when the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He's a good, good God. Our God is a good, good God. Lord, he says, I want to see. Not just maybe with the natural, but I want to see in the spirit realm, I want to see what, the, what you have for me. And what did Jesus say? He never turned anybody down. He said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. 
Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. It says when all. No, it just makes me wonder about those ones that shushed him up there. <laughs> when all the people saw it, they also praised him. The crowd shouted with loud eruptions of praise. Now, I got a question for you. What did he do? Trick question. <laughs> Trick question, what did he do? Did he shout? You know, what's it say? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> he believed his faith. It was his faith. He didn't have eyes to see him, but he could feel the power. He recognized the power. He believed in Jesus. It wasn't his bold shouting. He believed God was good and he wanted to heal people. We can come boldly to Jesus and ask for things. Lord, we want to see. Believe. Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. Okay, so it's almost lunchtime. How about we have dinner with Jesus at the Pharisee's house? What? At the Pharisee. Yes, we're going to the Pharisee's house. Very law-abiding people, right? Hmm, now it makes me wonder why in the world, you know, maybe there was room for change here because he invited Jesus. Now what was his purpose? Was he going to try to point out, try to find something in him? But he invited Jesus. Jesus went. He was full of grace. This is Luke 7. I have it in Luke. And it's out of the NIV and the Passion because the Passion had lots of words. In the Passion, though, it says, In the neighborhood there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. And when she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster filled with the most expensive perfume. That would have been myrrh, an oil. It says perfume, so we think, you know, because she's a prostitute or whatever, but they all had perfumed oil, myrrh. She had the expensive myrrh. She went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader. Well, I have to ask, I mean, what was, <laughs> you know, if I invited a bunch of people to dinner to my house, you know, she just didn't walk in. She had to ring the doorbell. <laughs> and the owner of the home had to say, hey, come in. I just think Mrs. Pharisee had to let her in. If she's known to be a prostitute, I mean, they're letting her in. Anyway, she went right to Jesus. She had a mission. She knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests, broken and weeping. She covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. It was an act of worship when we fall at the feet. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying, and she dried his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed his feet, and then she opened the flask and she anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. And then going back to the NIV, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, okay, it says he said to himself. So, so now the, the, to me, that's like he's thinking, he's not telling anybody this. And yet we're all reading this, aren't we? So he had to have told someone. Maybe after it was all over, maybe he told everybody. But it says, he said to himself, well, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Because you know, those Pharisees, you only touch certain things, right? Hmm. 
But Jesus answered him. I love this. He was thinking it, but Jesus answered him. And he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, well, tell me, teacher. I want to know. <laughs> Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. So Simon, which one of them will love him more? And Simon said, I love this word, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. And then Jesus turned to the woman but he said to Simon, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water, water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her own tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. You know, it was customary, they, a customary kiss of welcoming in to your home. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time she entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfumed oil on my head and feet, is what it says in the Passion. Therefore, I tell you, Simon, her many sins have been forgiven. Here's the Pharisee. He's the self-righteous one, right? But... Jesus is telling him, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now, the other guests, I'm assuming, they might be a few Pharisees there sitting around too. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said though to the woman, he said, your faith has saved you, woman. Go in peace. Okay. Question number two. What did she do? She brought oil. She was down on her knees. What did she do? She believed! She believed Jesus. She believed him so much that in spite of what her reputation was, she came knocking at the door and she's at his feet with oil, worshiping him. She believed and she showed him kindness and she worshiped him. It is not our works that save us. It is our faith, our belief in Jesus, our full persuasion that Jesus is Lord. He's the King of Kings. She was fully persuaded. She was fully persuaded. Meanwhile, the Pharisee is hanging out. She's fully receiving the righteousness of Jesus because she doesn't feel like she has any. But she was a new creation. The old has passed away, right? All things are new. Our work is to believe. Our faith, our being fully persuaded of Jesus rather than of our works or our goodness. It's all Jesus' works, none of our righteousness. And so I have one last place to go. This is the thief on the cross. It's in Luke 23 in the NIV. And I'm starting out in verse 36. It says that the soldiers came up and they mocked Jesus He's been hanging there for hours. 
They're mocking him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, well, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. We have to believe and we'll be saved. Here they're mocking him and said, just save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals, he, he's hanging there. He gets in on the act with all the other people mocking. And he said, yeah, uh-uh, Jesus, really, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save me too. But what did the other criminal do? He rebuked him. He said, don't you even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, for you and I are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom. In the Passion, it says, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me with you. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And in the Passion, it says, I promise you. I promise you. When God promises us something, he is going to fulfill it. He is faithful to us. What could the thief do? If we have to do anything, there's nothing he could get off the cross. He didn't have time. He couldn't get off the cross and go do it. How in the world could he go to be with Jesus? He believed Jesus. That's all we have to do is to continue day by day believing our Jesus. Remember me was a statement of faith. Even at the last minute we can ask and believe God. It's not by our works. It's not by our self-righteousness. We simply believe Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for helping us be fully persuaded in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that faith is the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for. Thank you, Lord, that our faith in, with our faith in Jesus, our full belief in Jesus, that we are saved. Father, you spoke and you gave birth to all that is seen. Jesus, we thank you for walking through our loneliness, through the loneliness of the wilderness, the desert, the desolate, the solitary places to defeat all that the enemy had against us. Thank you, Father God, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for your choreography for us, Father God, in our lives. Thank you, Father God, that we are full of the nature of God. Thank you, Father God, that you orchestrate where we come and where we go, that we live in faith and in your goodness and in your knowledge and in your love. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the power to reject all self-righteousness, all unbelief, all disbelief, that these things have no place in us in any degree. Anything that would prevent us from receiving your will in our life or for your healing in our life or your provision in our life. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that there is now, right now, no condemnation for any one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your righteousness to strengthen our faith. Thank you, Jesus, that the blind see and the hopeless hope. Thank you, Jesus, that we worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Jesus, for mercy 
for showing us grace. We thank you, Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, that our faith in you saves us, and we go in peace. May the Lord make his face to shine upon each one of us this week, and that we are all kept from all evil. The Lord bless you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE G-I-V-E to 833-632-1315 or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.